Well, thank you so very much. Um, I kind of was telling myself today that I'm going to be cool and it's not going to, you know, get me, but uh, it kind of gets me. So um, I just want to say thank you um, and what a privilege it has been uh, to serve as your pastor for 20 years. Uh, The elders uh, told me um, that since it was my 20th anniversary, I I needed to preach an amazing, amazing (laughs) message today to preach like I've never, never preached before. They said I had like 25 minutes. (laughs) I'm going to do my best, but no promises. A few months ago... um, I began sensing that God was leading me to take Southwinds through the book of Romans. And over the 20 years that I have been here, we have uh, preached through a number of books in the Bible, from Joshua to Daniel to Jonah to Habakkuk, Luke and Acts, Philippians, 1 Peter, Ephesians, Titus, uh, but never Romans. And as we, we made plans for this year, 2023, it turned out that the best time to start was today, and I think that's very appropriate that we would begin my third decade as your pastor by opening the study of this incredible, incredible book. Romans um, is actually a letter that can change your life, and that is my prayer for all of us uh, beginning today that are reading and studying and memorizing and meditating on God's Incredible words will change us, and I am inviting you to join me on the journey through this book. Maybe you're asking, why should we study Romans? Well, I'm going to give you three very important reasons, and the first one is, it's Romans. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) Romans, if you don't know this, uh, may be the most important book in the Bible. It's certainly the most significant, uh, influential, impactful New Testament letter, and of course, all Scripture is equally inspired by God's Holy Spirit, but some portions of God's word clearly, unquestionably, play a more central role in our following Christ, and Romans is the most complete explanation of the gospel in the entire Bible. In fact, if Romans was all that you had and you grasped its message and you believed it, then you would know God, and you would have the assurance of eternal life with God. Now, maybe you grew up in a church, and maybe one time along the way you learned the Romans Road. How many of you have ever heard the Romans Road? A number of you have. And uh, this is verses that give us the path to salvation. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And and then Romans 5, 8 tells us, but God shows his love for us. In that, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? And Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So I'm just telling you as we start this, everything you need to know to begin a right relationship with God is right here. 
in Romans. Second, everything you need to know to continue in a right relationship with God is Romans. And if you don't know it already, you're about to find out that Romans is incredibly rich in Christian doctrine. Romans gives us answers to the the deepest questions we have, and significantly, it also answers the deepest questions we should have, but we often fail to ask. As we read and think on Romans, we're gonna discover that Romans will create some categories for us, maybe that we don't even have in our minds yet, and we're gonna grow deeper in our understanding of who God is, what God's saving plan is all about. See, Romans can make us good theologians. You know we're all theologians, um, either good or bad or somewhere in the middle, uh, growing theologians. Romans um, can make us good theologians, and And many of you may know, and if you don't, it's good to hear, uh, you need to know that the church, the big C church, suffers often today from very shallow and often errant theology. And if you don't believe that, just watch a few TV preachers with your Bible open, or just listen to some YouTube preachers and compare what they're saying with what God says in his word. And and, and that's a common thing today, and it's true, the same kind of thing is true uh, in the, the, the seats of churches. Many people will, will tell you that they're Christians, but they can't really tell you much about the Christian faith. They can't adequately and, and completely uh, accurately explain the gospel. They can't really talk about the Trinity very much. They can't really tell you about the, the basic doctrines that the Bible teaches. They, they claim to know Christ, but they can't really tell you what he is about, what he teaches, who God is, and how we're to live. And Romans is a book that will help us move past that and get our heads around the heart of our faith. I wanna read you a quote from the reformer, John Calvin. He said this about Romans. He said, it will hence appear beyond all controversy that besides other excellencies and those remarkable, this can with truth be said of it, i.e. Romans, and it is what can never be sufficiently appreciated that when anyone gains a knowledge of this epistle, he has an entrance open to him to all the most hidden treasures of Scripture. In other words, if you know Romans, you'll know the Bible. And so we're going to study Romans together because it's rich in theology, but not, not just heavy theology. R- never forget, Romans is a letter written to people living their daily lives. This is also a book rich in practical truths like how to live your life with freedom and power and, and joy and victory and security and selflessness, how to have calm assurance in the face of trial, any trial. It's all right here in Romans. And then the third reason that we're gonna study Romans is because God has used Romans so powerfully throughout the history of the church. Um, when you read through church history, and of course, it's a special interest of mine, uh, uh, having done my, my PhD work in church history, you quickly see how foundational Romans has been to so many pivotal people in the history of God's church. I'll just start by mentioning Augustine probably the most important Christian thinker in about the first 1,500 years of the church's life. He was born in North Africa in AD 354. He grew up, and he was a brilliant philosopher, but he was also what we would today call a sex addict. 
very immoral man, uh, given to pursuing his lusts. And he did not believe in Christ, but he had a mama. (laughs) He had a mother named Monica. Who just prayed, like some of your moms, prayed relentlessly for him. And one day when he was almost 32, which by the way, back then, that was pretty old. (laughs) Um, Lived a lot of his life probably. Um, He experienced God's grace. He was sitting, he tells this story, very famous uh, account. He was sitting underneath a fig tree and he seemed to be praying because he was struggling in his life. And he heard this child's voice coming from a house you know, kind of across the way. And this voice was re- repeating a Latin phrase, tole lege, tole lege, which just means take up and read, take up and read. And Augustine heard that to be a call to pick up God's word. And he, he went and he found a book of Paul's epistles and he just opened it up. And the first passage he landed on was this one right here, Romans 13, 13 and 14. Let us walk properly, as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And Augustine said God broke his heart and he saw his slavery to lust and he gave his life to Christ. He trusted Christ and he said it was if a light of relief from all anxiety flooded into my heart and all the shadows of doubt were dispelled and God used him in incredible ways. And then, moving on a thousand years, Martin Luther, who sparked the Protestant Reformation that began in 1517, maybe the most significant Christian of the last 500 years, grew up thinking kind of a polar opposite from Augustine who just lived this wild kind of party life. Martin Luther was trying to make it by being religious and he he grew up thinking he could never please God. He said he had actually grown to hate God because God was commanding him to do things he could never seem to do. And he was a monk, he was a German monk and and things got so bad in his life that his superiors told him, you need to study the Bible so you'll quit bothering us with all of your problems. And so they told him to study Romans and he studied Romans and he got to Romans 117 and when he heard that the gospel, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness by faith from first to last, he had what he he called a, a breakthrough. That was the word he used. The Holy Spirit opened his eyes to the truth and the beauty of the gospel. He discovered the doctrine of justification by faith that we are declared right with God and it's not on the basis of our works for God, but it's by trusting in the work that Christ has done for us. And so we just place our trust in Jesus and he declares us righteous before God because of what he has done, his merits, not ours. And Martin Luther said, it was like the chains fell off. And some of you have experienced that as well. You could talk about John Bunyan who wrote Pilgrim's Progress about 150 years after Martin Luther, uh, one of the best-selling books of all time. Some of you younger uh, people here will not believe it, but it's actually sold more copies than Harry Potter, okay? <laughs> I mean, it's had a few hundred years head start, but it's, it's been an influential book. Uh, John Bunyan saved 
reading Romans. John Wesley, who founded the Methodist Church, leader in the first great awakening, which was instrumental in the founding of our nation, uh, his life has impacted millions. He was converted when he went one night in London to what we would today call like a small group, a life group. And someone was reading from Luther's preface in his commentary on Romans. And John Wesley was saved listening to this. And this is part of what Luther writes in that preface of his Romans commentary. He says, Paul's letter to the Romans is really the chief part of the New Testament and is truly the purest gospel. It is worthy not only that every Christian should know it word by word, uh, word for word by heart, but also that all believers should occupy themselves with it every day as the daily bread of the soul. We can never read it or ponder it too much, for the more it is dealt with, the more precious it becomes and the better it tastes. And so your job is going to be to memorize the book of Romans. Because <laughs> Martin Luther said, well, Here's the thing I hope that you are already thinking. When people read and meditate and memorize and study Romans, big things happen. And big things can happen in your life. So throughout this series, one of the things we are gonna be doing is encouraging you to memorize um, some verses in the book of Romans. And I'm, I'm just promising you, if you'll do it, your life will change. And I'm praying that will happen. I'm praying that many, many of us are gonna have a breakthrough uh, like Luther as we read and study Romans, that we will experience the freedom and the release, the joy that the gospel brings. Because that's what Romans is, is all about. Now I wanna read Paul's opening words uh, of this chapter. I started planning to um, uh, do these seven verses today, but actually I'm only doing one verse today. That was all I could handle uh, because of the very limited time that the elders ungraciously gave me. Um, But I wanna read these verses so you have in in your heart what we're gonna be looking at this week and next, and uh, we're gonna dive in, and it's gonna move faster as we keep going. But here's what the word says. This is what Paul writes. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the word of the Lord in Southwinds. We all say amen. 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 Now, I want to answer a question many of you are probably wondering about, and it, it's the question, how long? How long, Pastor Mike, are we going to be in this book of Romans? And You need to know there are some famous pastors who have taken their churches through Romans, like John Piper. Many of you have read his books. He preached 225 messages over eight years in the book of Romans. The church grew and was strengthened that time. You may not have heard of another pastor. He's famous in another part of the world. His name is Conrad Mabiwe. He's a a, a famous Zambian pastor. He preached through Romans for 22 years Like, can you imagine? I mean, I would be like two years away from finishing right now. 
That'd be like the only thing I'd ever done here, 22 years. Martin Lloyd-Jones, pastor in London, he preached through Romans for 14 years, like word by word by word, and then he died before he could finish. One of my prayers is that I don't die before I finish the book of Romans. So how long are we gonna do it here at Southwinds? Well, uh, let not your hearts be troubled. Uh, if God wills, I think we're gonna spend around 40 weeks, which is gonna be most of this, uh, the rest of this year, 2023, in Romans. And um, I admire these men very much, but um, I prefer in preaching through books not to take the Hotel California approach where you like check in, but you can never leave. <laughs> so we're not gonna do that. But no matter how long this series is, Romans is a book that will change our lives. It really will. And so today, we're gonna look at something real simple and direct, at the who. We're gonna think about who is writing this book, and next week, we're gonna talk about why, why Paul wrote Romans, and we're gonna talk about what Romans is all about, so you kinda have a big picture and here's the big idea that I want you to see today. And we're gonna just zero in on verse one. The most important realities that we all need to deal with are our identity and purpose. Who we are and why we are. These are like the greatest challenges before people today. All people face those challenges. Who are we and why are we really here? Like what's our purpose? And so many of us even deal with like these existential crises. We don't know who we are. We don't know why we're here. We don't know our identity. We don't know our purpose. We're just filled with anxiety and restlessness. And I wanna just tell you, I've said this before, it is not an accident that in a culture where more and more we're telling people they've gotta figure their identity and purpose out all for themselves, it is not an accident they have become, people have become more and more anxious, more and more fearful, because determining your own anxiety, your own identity and purpose is exhausting. But here's the good news, God doesn't call you to do that, God gives you identity. God gives you purpose, you just need to receive it from him. And if you will receive it from him, you'll have everything that, that you need. And Paul is actually answering these questions in verse one for himself. He's telling us this. And in doing that, he's giving us direction that can change everything for us. So I wanna look at identity and then purpose very quickly. Identity, this question, who are you? If you're taking notes in the app, you can write these things down. Paul begins Romans by stating his identity. He says, here's what I want you to know about me. I'm a servant of Christ Jesus. He's saying the most important thing I could say about myself, the deepest awareness I have about myself is this. I'm a servant of Christ Jesus. I belong to Jesus. And I wanna just tell you, you will not know who you are until you know whose you are. The Greek word for servant is the word doulos, and a more accurate translation really would be slave. None of the English translators really wanna do this because of the connotations. This is a word that means someone who belongs solely to another. It is a word that speaks of exclusive, complete devotion to another person, devoted to their will, devoted to their word, devoted to their purposes. It is exclusive. 
And Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Jesus says you have to have a master in your life and you can't have two. And so when Paul says he's a servant, he's a slave of Christ Jesus, what he is saying is I belong exclusively to Jesus. I'm fully devoted to Jesus. Jesus has no rivals in my life. My life is all about obeying Jesus, doing Jesus' will, following Jesus' word. I am Jesus' slave. No questions, no arguments, no rivals. I belong to him. You know, before... Paul's conversion, you know the story, he had a mission, and that mission was to oppose Jesus and to eradicate Jesus' church. That's what he'd given his life to, and then one day he was on that road, the road to Damascus, to arrest some Christians and put them in prison when Jesus arrested him. Jesus seized him, and Jesus blinded him, and at the same time Jesus blinded Paul, he opened his spiritual eyes to see the truth, and Jesus became Paul's new master and gave Paul a new identity, and Paul says, now I'm all about knowing Jesus and building Jesus' church and telling people everywhere about Jesus. That's what was his life. His whole life was leveraged for. Paul was a slave of Jesus. We see this in Acts 20 when he, he was telling the Ephesian elders, we're, we're not gonna see each other ever again. I'm on my way to Jerusalem. I don't know what's gonna happen to me. I'm probably gonna die. Um, I'm probably gonna be thrown in prison. But then he says this, Acts 20, 24, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. I'm gonna lose my life. I know that, but my life is not my greatest value. My greatest value is Jesus. I'm his slave. And I just want to ask you today, do you think this identity of slave is only for someone like Paul? Do you think it applies to you? If you're not sure, let me clarify for you, it does. It is for everyone who names the name of Jesus. If you have trusted Jesus to forgive your sins, if you say, I am a Christ follower, if you are looking to him to give you eternal life when you leave this world, that means Jesus is your Lord. That means you're his slave. Anybody wanna say amen to that? Jesus isn't your consultant. He's not your personal advisor or life coach. He is not your lifeguard when you get in trouble. You know, pitchers and catchers reported for us baseball fans this week. He's not the closer, you know, you call in to save the game when you've screwed it all up, right? He's master, the son of God, Paul says in this this, uh, introduction. he's, He's the Lord, and so that means if you're a Christ follower, you belong exclusively to him. Listen to me, Southlands, that's who you are. Do you see yourself that way? See, this is where Romans starts. We are slaves of Christ. And again, we need to be reminded we're all gonna serve some master. The question for all of us is, which master is worthy and good and loving and wise? 
Which master requires you to shed your blood, sweat, and tears to give your life to serve him? And which master shed his blood, sweat, and tears just to have you, to love you? This is what Jesus did, and that's the question. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. Jesus bought you with his own life, his own blood. You belong to him. Say, I belong to Jesus. We're his we're his slaves. That is our identity. And I'm going to just tell you right now, some of you, I'm going to explain all the problems in your life right now. You're not living as a slave to Jesus. That explains everything. And if you want to see change, you need to orient your life back to who you are in Jesus. You are a slave And there's just such good news with this. Maybe you never thought about this, but if Jesus bought you, if Jesus owns you, if you're Jesus' slaves, it also means you're his responsibility. Have you ever thought about that? He promises to take care of you. And we can live knowing Jesus loves me so much. He bought me with his own blood. How will he not take care of me? He's promised he will. And so being Jesus' slave is not terrifying. It's not terrible. It's beautiful and wonderful. And our job is simply to trust him. Whatever he chooses to do with our lives, he will be with us. And he will provide for us. And he will take care of us. He will never forsake us. He will only do good to us forever. He will turn every trial into glory for us. We are in good hands. He is a gracious master. So you put your life into Jesus' hands. But those hands are pierced for you. So you can trust him. Because one who loves you so perfectly will never lead you poorly. And that's the beauty of belonging to Jesus. He knows always what is best for me. Satan is such a liar. Do you know that? He tells you that you give your life to Jesus as his slave. You're gonna miss out on life. No, no. You live as a slave to Jesus. The only thing you miss out on is despair in this life and death forever. That's all. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. That's my identity. He calls me to trust him and please him and no one else. So we're gonna be talking more about that in the weeks ahead. And here's one more thing that we need to talk about and that is purpose. Purpose. Actually, I got ahead of myself. I have something else I want to tell you real fast um, before we leave identity. 1 Corinthians 7.23 also says you were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. And all I want to say here is the easiest way for you to get rid of your bondage to other people's opinions, and you know who you are, right? Easiest way is to start seeing yourself as Jesus' slave. You live for him. You live to please him and live to please him alone. And that brings freedom. Wouldn't you rather have one master than 50? 
That's what it means to follow Jesus, and he's a good master. He's not critical. He's not picky. He's not like that parent voice in your head. Some of you have all the time telling you it's not quite good enough. He is good and gracious and kind. He's a good, good master. Okay, purpose. Why are you? Paul then says this, continuing it in verse one. You see all that? We've only gotten through like a third of verse one so far. I promise you it's gonna get faster as we keep going. Um, He says, called to be an apostle. And an apostle, of course, is one sent with a message. And of course, there were a specific group. There were 12 apostles. There were a couple other apostles pointed later. But but Paul's part of, is part of what we might call like capital A apostles. And these are people in the New Testament who had witnessed uh, the resurrected Christ. Jesus had appeared to them and personally commissioned them to take his gospel and preach it with authority throughout the world. And, and Paul is in this category. Jesus had come and appeared to him and said, you are mine now, Paul. I'm appointing you as an apostle to carry my message throughout the, the, the world. And that's Paul's purpose. Notice this goes together, set apart for the gospel of God. Those things cannot be separated, being called and set apart. This is Paul's purpose. His purpose is the gospel, the good news of how God saves sinners and transforms them through Jesus Christ, setting them free, giving them hope. That's the gospel. And Paul says, that's my purpose. That's my purpose. And what we're going to see starting next week um, is that Paul had a specific part of that purpose. His great ambition was to preach the gospel where it hadn't been preached before. Uh, We're going to learn why Paul writes this letter. And and a a huge part of why he writes is he wants to go to Spain, which is like the edge of the world at that time, to preach the gospel because no one had been there yet. He needs some help on the way. And he wants the people who are in Rome to help him get there. That's central to why he's writing this letter. But I want to point out today, all God's children have a purpose given by God. So the question today is, what's yours? Now, we're not apostles, but everyone who knows the Father through the Son has been called. Everyone who knows the Father through the Son has been sent. God has called you into his purposes he calls you to experience his grace and, and, and his love, to share his heart, to share his love with the world. And maybe you're living today and you've never been gripped by a purpose greater than yourselves. Some of us live our lives for things that are so small and God is calling you to something so great and you will never know the joy and the satisfaction, the fulfillment that God has for you until you start living for his purpose, giving your life away, living for eternity, not just today. Aren't you tired of just living for today and tomorrow? See, God's purpose for all of us, whether you're a pastor or you work in Silicon Valley or you work in some other industry or wherever you are, in your life, whatever your circumstances, God's purpose for you is to share his message. That should be the central thing in your life. You have been called to that. You have been set apart 
for that. That's what he wants for you. It's kind of interesting in Paul's life when we look, maybe uh, in your, your notes, you've got like a study Bible, you, maybe you look at this word set apart and you, maybe you'll see there's a reference to Galatians 1. It's in a lot of the, the study Bibles. In Galatians 1, 15 and 16, Paul says, I was set apart before I was born. I, I was called by God's grace to serve his purposes from my mother's womb. This is God's purpose for me, Paul says. But isn't it interesting that Paul took the long way to get there? I mean, he grew up with the best education, evidently in a pretty wealthy family. He, 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 he studied as like the brightest student under the elite, Rabbi Gamaliel. He was advancing in Judaism. And Paul says in, in Galatians 1 that he was extremely zealous, so much that he saw Jesus and Jesus' church as a threat to his own religion. And so he sought to destroy it. He's on his way to a Damascus to persecute Christians when he meets Jesus and Jesus arrests him, gives him a new identity, says, you're mine now, and now you have a new purpose. Jesus tells Paul, I set you apart from your mother's womb, but here's the question. Why did God let him go so far from that truth? Why did God let him go on such a long and violent and destructive journey before he came into the purpose that he had been set apart for? Why? Well, Paul actually answers that question, I think, in another letter, 1 Timothy uh, verses 1, 12 to 17, and we don't have time to read this today because I keep telling you guys, you don't listen quickly enough. Um, but Paul says Jesus called him in this passage, even though he was a blasphemer. He said, I said the most horrible things about Jesus. But he says, I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. Paul says that God poured out his grace and love on him and saved him. And he says it for this reason. Why? Because Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost, the chief. No one's blown it worse than me, Paul says. But Jesus came to save sinners. And maybe you're here today for that. You need to hear that today. See, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing whatever it is you're, you're doing. It doesn't matter if you have taken the long way. I wanna tell you today, I've been telling you for 20 years, I'm gonna keep telling you. You can always come home. You can always come home. Your father will receive you. When you repent and you believe in Jesus, God always forgives and God always gives new life and new hope and a new identity and a new purpose. And if you don't have that today, you can find it today. Paul says, I took the long way because God wanted to show the world how good and merciful and patient and kind he is. And if you have taken the long way, he wants to do the same as well. I don't know, maybe you're here. Maybe you're here for the first time today. It's kind of a strange day. It's not a normal day in the life of our church. And maybe you come today, and maybe the reality for you is you have resisted God's purposes in your life for years. I think that the Apostle Paul taking the long route is a reminder to you that God doesn't give up on his plans for you, that God always pursues you, that he is always ready to receive you, that he is always ready to restore you and call you into his purpose. 
So if you feel far from God and doing what God wants you to be and what God wants you to do, the good news, maybe you're on the long road, the long way, but the good news is God is gracious. We have some people that are young today, much younger than me. Pretty much everybody's younger than me these days. And you know, if you're young today, can I say to you, don't take the long way. You don't have to take the long way. Don't waste your life on the long way. Follow Jesus today. Know his identity-shaping power today, telling you who you are. It's discover his purpose for you today and live that purpose for his glory and for your good. So, identity, who you are and whose you are, purpose, why you are, this is where we begin, and we have so much more to learn from Romans, and we're gonna take uh, the next step in that this next Sunday. And I just want to ask today as we close, do you know today that you are living in the reality that you are Jesus' slave, you are his servant, that he has bought you and you belong to him? Do you know that? You can know that today. And if you know that Jesus has bought you and saved you, are you actually living his purpose for you today. You all have a purpose and it's to show his love and share his gospel with your world. And you're gonna do that in the way that God has shaped you in the places where God has placed you. But that's your purpose. Are you living that purpose? You have been called, you have been set apart And Jesus says, you belong to me and I'm gonna take care of you. So if you haven't settled these things in your life today, then will you do that now as we pray? We're gonna bow our heads. Would you just join us and as you bow your head, would you lift your heart to the Father? Would you pray to him? God, we wanna thank you that... um, You don't want us to be in the dark about who you are and what you want for us, but you've revealed it to us in your son Jesus and in your word. And so, Lord, as we begin this journey, we ask you to open our eyes to see more and more who you are and what you have for us. Lord, give us eyes to see the beauty and the glory of the gospel And would you strengthen us, Lord, to trust in your son Jesus and to follow him with all our heart and to give ourselves to the things that you care the most about, Lord. And and Lord, if there is someone who's here today that's on that long road, that long way, and they need to come home, Lord, we pray that they would open their eyes, their eyes would be opened by you, that you would grant to them repentance and faith to see Jesus and his beauty and his glory and his love and his sacrifice, that you would call them today and that they would respond. And Lord, also, if anyone is here today and Lord, the truth is they are enslaved to so many masters, would you set them free today? Let them have only one master, one Lord, that is Jesus the Christ, your son. Turn their eyes 
turn their heart to the one who gave himself for all of us. Lord, we pray these things now. We ask them in that precious and strong and beautiful name, the name of Jesus and all God's people said.